helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning and welcome to today's program. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, I, it doesn't seem to matter, but a common concern is always money. And I tell you, at this particular time of the year with COVID-19 and the political conventions and all the things going on, it's no wonder we're all concerned about it. Well, today's program is going to help you kind of figure out some ideas and some ways that you might see some answers to all of this massive amount of media. So stay with us. You're going to find that we've got a great program for you. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and welcome to Talk Money. My guest today is someone who does always does a wonderful job for us, and it's a, he, he just answers questions that you guys ask us. And, it, and the good part about it is he is an authority when it comes to this subject He's a dear friend, a great guy, Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. He's our expert when it comes to Social Security. And, Kurt, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. Again, pleasure to be with you folks. Hope you're all staying safe and healthy down there. We are, wearing our mask and uh, and uh, social distancing. You know, that my wife is all of a sudden saying social distancing, social distancing. I don't know what that means, but I'm taking it personal. Well, my wife's been saying that for 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. All right. First question for you. I mean, Social Security claim options, are they available today for someone who's lost his job as a result of the COVID-19 crisis? I mean, that's a question that everybody's asking, especially when they just really don't know what's going to happen in the next 90, 30, 90 120 days, whatever. Sure. sure. Yeah, so um, get this question a lot these days. Happy to, to try and answer it for listeners. So the great thing is for anyone who is 62 years of age or older and who has worked and paid into the Social Security program, they have the option of filing for and receiving Social Security retirement benefits. It's equally important to note that anyone age 60 or older who is a widow or widower has that same option, because earliest day, age you can collect retirement benefits 62, but survivor benefits can be paid as early as age 60. Now, in either case, you take your payments prior to hitting your full retirement age, you're going to get a lower amount, because it's a social insurance program, and Congress intends everybody to get roughly the same amount of money over an average lifetime whenever they start to collect, so you collect early, Starting sooner, in theory, you're collecting for a longer period of time, but you're going to be given a lower monthly amount. But over the age of 62, over the age of 60, you have the option of filing for and beginning to receive Social Security retirement or survivor benefits. And it's a great option for people who are faced with financial challenging times because people need to also understand that the receipt of unemployment compensation has no impact whatsoever on somebody's ability to collect Social Security retirement benefits. You can end up collecting both types of payments at the same time. So find yourself out of work. Intend initially to wait till a later date to start to file. You have that option if you're over the age of 62 or over the age of 60 as a survivor. Now, here's where I like to remind folks, the decision to collect doesn't have to be an irrevocable one. 
and someone has two different options going forward. So you're out of work, start to collect Social Security retirement benefits, say, at age 63. You're going along the lines. Then you return to work. Economy turns or you get your job back. You have two options at that point. One is people who have been collecting benefits for fewer than 12 months have the option of, and the technical term, Jim, is withdrawing their application, basically contacting Social Security and say, I changed my mind. And for Social Security to grant that request, you simply repay any benefits you might have received. No interest is charged. You're simply repaying the principal. And then you have the ability, once that check clears, to reapply at a later date. And your ongoing payment rate will be set, not as of the date you initially filed, but as of the date you reapply. So you wait until full retirement age, for example, to reapply. You get 100% of your benefit. But you need to exercise that within 12 months of collecting. So if you and, and, and you don't have to do that, but you have that option within 12 months of collecting. So 12 thing, months is the key. 12 months, you can basically exercise a complete do-over, withdraw, repay, and reapply. Okay. But say you've been collecting for more than 12 months, though, and you return to work. Well, you no longer have that option of completely undoing what you've done. But the important thing is at that point, you notify Social Security that you've returned to work and People need to understand, and we talked about it in the show, that if you're under your full retirement age, intending to collect benefits and work at the same time, there is an earnings limitation that comes into play that impacts whether or not you can collect benefits at the same time while working. 2020, for example, you're allowed to make up to $18,240 without any loss of benefits. You make above that, well, Social Security starts to hold back $1 in benefit payments for each $2 that you're over the threshold, one for two above that. So depending on how much you're making, you may not be able to collect even if you want to. So what counts towards that 18240 Just wages or net income from self-employment, earned income only. Okay. So basically, you go back to work, you tell Social Security, I'm going to make $100,000 a year, they're going to suspend your benefits. The good news for people is, and they always ask the question, well, if I have my benefits suspended because of this return to work, do I ever get that money back? And the answer is yes, but in a fashion that people need to understand. Because your initial benefit rate is set at a reduced rate based on the assumption you're going to collect each and every month between the point you start and your full retirement age. If, though, there are periods of time where you don't collect because you've returned to work, the great news is at your full retirement age, Social Security goes back, adjusts your benefit amount upward so that the final reduction in your payment is only for the number of months that you actually collected benefits. So again, this happens automatically, but at full retirement age. And so that collecting for this short period of time, say between 63 and, and 64 and a half or something like that, but then you no longer collect because you've returned to work, well, your benefit is adjusted upward at full retirement age so that the final reduction in your payment over your full retirement age amount is only for the number of months you actually collected. So that return to work never really hurts. You don't get the money back in terms of a return in cash payout, but you do see your benefit increase, so it's an actuarial adjustment upward. So this work activity 
as I said, the, the decision to start to collect doesn't have to be an irre- irrevocable one, and people have a couple of options. That's that's good to know. And it, work is not the particular job that you had prior to COVID nineteen. You could just means work anywhere. Exactly, work. that's right. Work, 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 work. Remember Maynard G. Krebs on Dobie Gillis, Jim? Work, 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 work. work. That was uh, Dobie's father, I think. Boy, you dated yourself there, man. I have to because nobody else will go out with me. I hear you. I hear you. You know, here's the question that, that I think some people are concerned about. If I collect Social Security and unemployment benefits, can I collect Social Security and unemployment benefits at the same time? And the answer is yes, indeedy. Many years ago, there was an offset. You couldn't collect both at the same time. But for the past 20, 25 years or so, there's no longer been an offset. And you can collect both Social Security benefits and unemployment compensation. You know, again, if you're under your full retirement age, the only thing that impacts your ability to collect is earned income. Wages or net income from self-employment. That whole wide world of unearned income, like unemployment compensation or a pension or 401k distributions or bank interest, none of that impacts your ability to collect. Earned income only and unemployment compensation, that's considered unearned income. Now, that begs the whole separate question whether at the end of the year you're going to end up having to pay federal income tax on a portion of the Social Security benefits that you would receive, because that's going to be based on what is called your modified adjusted gross income, sometimes referred to as combined income, which is a, three things. It's your adjusted gross income off the bottom of your 1040, half your Social Security benefits, and half, I'm sorry, and any tax-free interest you might have collected. Those are above certain thresholds. Yeah, you're going to pay federal income tax on a portion of your Social Security benefits, and it is both earned and unearned income that falls in that calculation of your adjusted gross income. But unemployment compensation doesn't prevent you from receiving Social Security in the first place, but at the end of the year, you may end up paying some federal income tax on the benefits that you had received because all sources of income flow into that calculation. That's, that's, a, that's, that's I think, a kind of a... A good answer for a lot of people. I think a lot of people don't take that into consideration, that that income tax could be there. If you just tuned in, my guest is Kurt Zornowski. He is the founder and president of Kurt Zornowski's Consulting Company, and he is a frequent guest of ours. He is our expert when it comes to Social Security, a wealth of knowledge. And my question, you know, Kurt, I hate to ask this question. It seems like we do it every time. But this is, is the crisis. What impact do you think the crisis is going to have long-term, long-range funding of Social Security? Is it going to be such a problem that it's going to create where people aren't going to be able to get their Social Security checks? Well, you know, I think uh, we deal with this issue about the long-range situation uh, all the time. I always preface my remarks by saying, uh, and, and, and paraphrasing Yogi Berra, who once said, uh, I'm always reluctant to make predictions, especially about the future. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Anyway, so, you know, I don't, I don't think we know exactly what the impact of this crisis is going to be on the Social Security system. I think uh, we will have that probably uh, next spring. The annual Social Security Trustees Report will come out, and it will factor the operation of the system through the end of the year 2020. But in general, people need to understand that there is this annual forecast, 2020 report, which covered 
operation of the program through the end of 2019, said that Social Security was projected to have enough money on hand to cover 100% of promised benefits through the end of the year 2034, but beginning in the year 2035, projected only to have enough money to cover about 78% of the benefits going forward. To me, that's really important because younger folks in particular talk about Social Security going bust, going bankrupt, mistakenly thinking that at some point there's not going to be any money there whatsoever. People need to understand Social Security's primary source of income is payroll tax dollars from employers, employees, and who and people who are self-employed. So absent a complete and total collapse of the United States economy so that nobody anywhere is working, Social Security is always going to have a revenue stream of some sort from those payroll tax dollars. So even though the situation may worsen, because this year, as unemployment is up, fewer people working, fewer people paying into the system, it probably will worsen the long-range solvency. It remains to be seen how much worse it's going to be. But it's never going to be a situation where Social Security will have no money whatsoever. And the projection is we still have some time for Congress to act and make some changes to the program to close this you know, 25% funding gap or so. So don't ever think about the fact that there's not going to be any money there whatsoever. Social Security, it's like your own situation at home. you got money coming in. you got money going out. At the end of the month, you don't have enough money to cover all your bills. you either got to bring more money in or pay a little bit less money out. Same way with Social Security. They need to close that gap. They could do it simply by bringing more money in. Well, they do that. Who are they going to impact? Younger folks, employers. They bring that gap close it solely by cutting benefits, who are the impacting old folks like me, Jim. So I think in the end, when Congress does get around to dealing with the issue, you'll see a mixture, a blend, some reasonable increases on the income side, some slowdowns on the outflow side. But, you know, it's important for folks to understand, even with this COVID situation, the program is not in an immediate crisis situation. There's no danger that benefits won't be paid this month, next month, or the month after. There's still some cushion in there, and Congress needs to get off its stuff, needs to deal with the issue, and the sooner they do it, the better off. But I get asked the question, do I think there's going to be this issue dealt with quickly? No, I don't think so. I think at this point anyway, because there is this little bit of a cushion, and I think Congress has other things it needs to deal with. While it should address the situation sooner rather than later, I don't see anything happening in the immediate short range, but hopefully they will get around to it before too long. You know, Kurt, they're, they're really, our Congress is a great, great fixer when the pressure's on. That's absolutely right. <laughs> they react to crises, yeah. you know, and uh, the program, is, it's not in crisis right now. It was right. in crisis back in 1983. There was a real danger that benefit payments couldn't go out, and Congress finally dealt with the issue then and came up with some short-term fixes, some longer-term fixes. Well, we're not quite there yet, although the longer they fiddle and diddle and do nothing, you know, the closer we're getting to crisis. But it's not an immediate crisis right now. Some challenges that need to be dealt with. And as I said, the sooner Congress deals with them, the better off everyone's going to be. But also, let me say, for listeners, if history teaches us anything, it's when Congress deals with these issues, they make changes largely prospectively. And so I think anyone who is collecting benefits now or is very close to retirement doesn't have to really worry. I think Congress will grandfather them in. They'll continue to operate on the system the way it is now. 
But I think it's far more likely the changes will impact my kids and my grandchildren and, and, and younger folks down the road. But the theory there is they've got more time in which to plan for retirement operating under the new rules of the road, so to speak. But I don't see anything happening immediately that will impact old people like me, Jim. And I'd put you in that category, but I'm too much of a gentleman. (laughs) Well, yeah, I fit right there with you, my man. I really do. Thank you so much, uh, Kurt. You always do a wonderful job. The listeners love you. They think that, uh, hey, if Kurt's on, I can get my questions answered. And you've done a great job. We've gone through some things that were extremely important, especially when we talk about Social Security. Everybody, especially if they're old people uh, like you and me, I'll I'll be gracious (laughs) to us, (laughs) that are collecting those benefits. Everybody wants to know that they're going to be available. And I so much appreciate the way you answer your questions. It's a tremendous amount of confidence, and you know the system. And I tell you, if you talk to anybody Getting to understanding, you know, to an understanding of the Social Security program can be challenging, and you clean it up for everybody. And thank you, sir. So much thank appreciate you, sir. you. Stay safe. Keep that mask on now. Yes, sir. Have All a great right. day. That's Kurt Zornowski of Zornowski Consulting. He's a does a wonderful job for us today. We talked about COVID nineteen and Social Security. Well, let me tell you, we're going to kind of turn the page now. We've got some guests here that are frequent, also frequent guests of ours. They are involved in a ministry here in the city that absolutely impacts people up front, close, right where they're needed. And that is so important. Let me read you their mission statement before I introduce these two lovely ladies. The mission, guiding those in need towards stability and sustainability through compassionate, Christ-centered ministries and empowering programs. Well, who am I talking about? Well, if you know that mission statement, you would know I am talking about the Neighborhood Christian Center. Effie Johnson and Anna Wilcox is here from the NCC, the Neighborhood Christian Center. Ladies, Anna, welcome to the program. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for having us. I love the smile. And uh, (laughs) Miss Johnson's over there involved in reading. (laughs) I'm like, what we do? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of work we do? Did you not know that was your mission statement? I was like, is that what we do? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You are so involved. Let me tell you something, ladies. You so much impressed me. Let me read you. Underneath their mission statement on their website, you can find this scripture verse, and this is important. Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 and 36 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. You know, guys, I'm doing this study right now, the Beatitudes and teaching that in my life group. And that's blessed are the merciful, Mm. for they shall have mercy. Mm. So I really want to just start with you guys. And and, and Effie, I want to start with you. Mm. How has COVID-19 affected the ministry, the families that NCC serves? I mean, this is an epidemic that I would, you know, I can remember Scott and I were talking about it earlier and he'll be on the program in a minute, but we were talking about, well, this will be over by May 1st or <laughs> right. June, and now we're into 6, 7, and projected could go maybe 12 more months with this. Mm. Well, what we're seeing now is that 
uh, affectionately, we know that the poor will be with us always. We know that those we have served that are affected by the social determinants of health um, have already been a part of what we do every day. Uh, what's been unique uh, that we've seen are people driving up in these super nice cars. They have beautiful homes that have lost their jobs or uh, the opportunity to uh, um, transition to anything else, and they have they don't have food. Um, or they need help with the utility bill, or they need, and they never knew about a neighborhood Christian centers or or, or other partner organizations in our city um, that do this kind of work. And so that's been the most, um, I guess, um, challenging thing to work through is helping people, uh, you know, that have been humbled to go through this process. When you talk about this, this that's a larger group of people. It is than you used to, you know, that you're used to. Right. What strain has that put on the volunteers, the staff of NCC? I was going to pull up some numbers. Um, we, uh, last year this time, I think we were at 700 plus uh, individuals we had served, maybe 2,100 of those, uh, uh, each, well, I'm sorry, in, uh, heads of household, about 2,100 um, individuals we had served between the months of March and August. We're at 40, no, I'm sorry, 8,000 8, plus 8, individuals. 000 that within that, that period of time, I might be a little off, I'm going to put my numbers up, but um, we, and that's just with food alone, um, when you have people reaching out for other uh, services, uh, meeting, meeting, needing support with their utility assistances or navigating certain services that they've never had to navigate through before. Uh, we've seen an increase in calls, so it's just been um, um, just a overwhelming um, response or need for response to people in that way. I can see it as an avalanche almost where it just gets started and all of a sudden there's this huge, huge need. And, and Anna, you're in the, the communications and the development side of the, of the ministry. Are you also with the avalanche of the need? You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. there's that need. Are you also seeing the people, the volunteers stepping in and the finances coming in? Are you seeing people opening up and saying, hey, maybe I can't go and, and take a, you know, food to someone, be the kind of the Uber driver to some degree. Mm -hmm. but, but are they able to financially, are they supportive? Yes. Um, coming into March and April, NCC was incredibly blessed by a lot of our constituents, historical and new people who have sought NCC out and said, you know, what? I know you guys are doing something during this. You help my auntie or you help me. I mean, a lot of people we've been able to just meet initially and they feel led to support us in that way. Um, we have also been incredibly blessed by some of our local partners in this city. They have really stepped up and to ensure that NCC is not only capable to meet the needs of the people that we've been serving, but also meet this increased need that Effie was just talking about. Um, so we've been incredibly blessed through that. Still always looking for opportunities to invite people to continue to serve in that way. But so far. I would like to interject, though. There has been some decline. Yeah. Um, some of the decline has been um, probably more re realized now um, because people didn't have as much they were doing. So you had, uh, you're not going out to eat. You're not doing certain things. So they were, we would see some giving um, increase um, online. I think media-driven um, donations have increased for us. But then there are some that have decreased because um, – 
people are kind of not knowing what's going to happen. Mm. And so people are being a little more cautious. cautious. Mm. Uh, so I, you know, so there's this slight dip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel, I feel projection-wise, um, we were doing fairly good while people were at home, just kind of being more aware of it. And now between now and Christmas and beyond – uh, it's that that now we're becoming we were disillusioned. Now we've become <laughs> more aware that this is sustaining, yeah. and um, also the util. I'm, not, I'm sorry, the um, stimulus dollars and monies that people were getting, even for unemployment, has uh, that's drastically changed. So where those people that she was talking about would be our community partners, people that maybe never have given before, had a few extra dollars to support. That's flipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I just want us to, there's a dichotomy there where, yeah, it was like, ooh, we need to help because the essential services need help. And now they're starting to need the essential service. We're going to see a creeping back up of those numbers that kind of kind of waned down in the past I've got 30 or 40 days. So that's, just want to put that out there. That's very, you know, very good careful. point. Mm-hmm. If you just tuned in, my guest is Effie Johnson and Anna Wilcox from the National Christian Center, Neighborhood Christian Center, National Christian Center. Hey, hey, prophecy. Hey, <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> <laughs> Neighborhood Christian Center. Uh, they, we're going to come back and talk specifically how you, our listening audience, can be involved here in Shelby County with the NCC. It's important. Listen to the mission statement. Guiding those in need towards stability and sustainability through compassionate, Christ-centered ministries and empowerment programs. It's not. This is pretty straightforward, folks. This is a ministry that has an impact. This is not a new ministry. This has been around for a long time. We'll talk a little bit about the history when we come back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Secure and Financial Services are affiliated with Effie Johnson, Anna Wilcox, Neighborhood Christian Center, Kurt Zarnowski, or Zarnowski Consulting. The views and opinions expressed are those of Effie Johnson, Anna Wilcox, and Kurt Zarnowski only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Secure and Financial Financial Services, Inc., or Shoemaker Financial. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. It's good to have you this morning, and I hope you're enjoying our program. We were talking earlier with Kurt Zarnowski. Now we're focused in on a mention of some people here in the city that have been around a very long time and have done just a very successful ministry in the fact that they touch people where people need to be touched. Bottom line is, this is an organization that when you look at it, they're in the trenches. Now, it's easy for a lot of people to say, I'm so glad they're doing something, but I don't want to get involved. Well, I'm telling you, you need to get involved, whether it's open up your pocketbook or whether or not you need to become a driver or something, you need to be involved. This is where, you know, the, the Bible says, blessed are the merciful, I talked about. This is where we step up and be merciful. We are the ones that, uh, this is our city we're talking about. My guest is Effie Johnson and Anna Wilcox from the Neighborhood Christian Center. Now, Effie, I want to start, I want to ask this question because this is so important. You were deemed an essential service. Now, for a lot of ministries, they that was not the case. Why 
would Neighborhood Christian Center be deemed an essential service? Well, one of the aspects of our organization is that we are a food distributor uh, and we do those other uh, emergency services. And so um, we were necessary to what was um, going to happen. Um, there was un- we already knew there was going to be a loss of income, loss of uh, food uh, sources, and so we had to be there to help with that. Um, one of the areas we felt like, because so many different people did uh, respond in doing mobile pantries and things like that, which were very, very important and necessary, uh, there was two groups of people that we really honed in on. Those were families that were affected by COVID-19, testing positive, and could not leave their homes, and senior citizens. And so that is where we've served 5,000-plus unique individuals and their families um, and since, um, um, I think, June, May, oh, I'm sorry, early May to now um, with uh, delivery, home deliveries to their um, food to their homes. And so that's been very significant to what we've been doing to respond to this um, pandemic. That's, that's important. So that the home deliveries, not only those that were sick with COVID-19, but the elderly who right. literally We c- tried to feared. keep them from, right, yeah, tried to keep them out. from being mm-hmm. out. Uh, it was best that they not be out. Right. Um, we didn't know as much as we know now about washing of hands and the um, masks being significant in, in um, keeping us safe. And so um, we, we wanted to aid in that, um, in them um, being as safe as possible. So anyway, that's what we're doing. Uh, we have partners with uh, um, Baptist Hospital, Methodist, Christ Community Health Services, Church Health, um, about five or six different um, uh, church or clinic organizations that help send us those that are choosing to have the service uh, once they've been diagnosed. Anna, how can people give to Neighborhood Christian Center? You can give to Neighborhood Christian Center. You can go on our website. You can do an online donation through our website. You can also mail us a check. Um, And you can also volunteer your time. If you're interested in being involved in Neighborhood Christian Center delivering a food box, uh, you can email one of us, Effie, myself, or Pam Cox, um, and also be on the lookout for upcoming services that you can be involved in, one being our curbside Christmas services. It's going to be beautiful. Oh, I was going to say jingle bells, guys. (laughs) Hey, come on. (laughs) You know, it's all things, you know. Okay. (laughs) I I don't want to hear me sing. (laughs) Neither does anybody. I think think it'd be good. I don't want to hear you sing. (laughs) Curbside Christmas. Now, curbside Christmas, what is curbside? Well, of course, we're anticipating that there's still going to be issue with COVID-19, and we want to give, we really thought this would be a great way to get more people involved, volunteering. So we will have a lot more personal deliveries uh, to families. Those 5,000 plus will still need something for Christmas. We're asking people to, where we believe we've solidified the chickens that are going to go in the boxes. We got a lot of, we got two chickens per family, Mm -hmm. 5,000 plus. So 10,000 chickens we have. Uh, The boxes, we believe are going to be supported a lot through Mid-South Food Bank, but we want Christmas stockings that will have some PPE in it and then a happy. And so those are kind of things that we, uh, am I saying the right ones? Because it's a PPP and a PPE. Y'all said the right one, PPE. There you go. I said it right. I go back to singing Jingle Bells. (laughs) PPE is the equipment, so I said it right. But anyway, so that's what we're needing people to do. And then those people will be set up, and Anna's team will give direction on how this will happen when you sign up to be able to pick up a family's food and, and Christmas stocking and deliver it. But we need stocking sponsors and we need toy store sponsors because we're going to have to do curbside toy store as well, which is all a part of our curbside Christmas. You can learn more about that on our website starting tomorrow. And that's website is, Hannah? NCCLife.org. 
nccLife.org. If you would like to talk to either one of these ladies, just it's uh, Anna, A-N-N-A, at nccLife.org, or Effie, and it's E-P-H-I-E-J, at nccLife.org. Ladies, it is a pleasure to talk with you. Every time we get together, I'm uplifted. Your smiles make me feel good, and the ministry and the touch and Effie, before you leave, how long has uh, NCC been around? Since we Mama be 40, started it. That's right. It'll be 43 years this year. Yeah. Or we 40, might be at 44. 40, I think we're 43 now. Okay. We're 42 before now. But oh, we're well. right at 43 years. So. 43 years. Yes. Right. And I just want to say, jingle bells, yeah, jingle it. bells, <laughs> jingle all the so way. So we can sing. <laughs> Amen. I absolutely thank you, ladies. Appreciate you both so much. All right. Uh, You know, we have been talking, of course, with two ladies, NCC Neighborhood Christian Center, Effie Johnson and Anna Wilcox, just two two lovely, uplifting, positive, affirming ladies having an impact on our city. You do not want to just listen and not get involved. You can go online. That's nccLife.org. Or you can contact either one of them, E-P-H-I-E-J, that's F-E-J, and Anna is A-N-N-A, at nccLife.org. Well, you know, it's uh, fun to talk with people like that. And uh, now I have someone that it's always fun to talk with, this guy, because he brings a wealth of knowledge. He's obviously here a lot. And uh, I got to just talk about this, Scott. It's Scott Jordan. Welcome, Scott. Great to be here, Jim. You know, Scott, uh, we are, we have finished the Democratic Convention. We've got the Republican Convention coming up. We've got the anxiety, a lot of people concerned. And I want to close the program out with today with the whole idea behind what in the world is going on politically and what should we tell our audience about to do. I mean, that's the whole reality. I've got a question for you that someone sent to us and says, I feel, I'm quoting now, this is a quote, I feel that a Democrat administration will play havoc with my assets and that taxes will go through the roof. I'm not finished. What is your opinion about what I should do? Hold on, change strategies, liquidate, or have money sit in cash or you know, he said move to Alaska, whatever, you know, from that standpoint. Move to Alaska. That's the one I would do. Um, what do you think? I mean, Scott, wow. it's a big issue. Well, Jim, we could do a whole show around that and maybe a series of shows series around shows. that. But uh, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of fear and anxiety out there right now. There's, you know, what, whatever side of the aisle you fall on, there's a different fear about what the other side's going to do to our economy and what they're going to do to our country. Uh, I think one of the fears is there's going to be, you know, a lot of progressive ideas that come into the country and and, and radically change what we do. But, uh, you know, you look back, and I think I think that, you know, with all this going on, it's really hard to separate facts from feelings. We're we're at, we're at a point where there's there's a lot of feelings, there's a lot of emotion, and it gets hard to separate those facts. But I I look back and just just look back at history and say, you know, over the last 75 years, the S and P 500 has returned close to around 11 percent, depending on which sort you look at, and that's through all administrations and everything that went on through that. Well, so, of course, I've got to say, past performance is not no a, guarantee <laughs> of the future. <laughs> future Absolutely. But Absolutely. now, what you're saying is markets have performed 
decent, extremely well, regardless. Absolutely. Now, I don't think any political party can claim superior market performance over the long term. Now, there's been a couple of instances of negative returns during the present. That's usually when we're in a recession or a major financial crisis. It's not so much to do with who just recently got elected into office. You know, I remember a quote from Sir John Templeton that I so much appreciate. And, I, you know, I heard this at one time in a meeting where he was, at, that was speaking. And, of course, it's his famous saying. I mean, it's it just it's history. And it's one of those that, and I, you know, I wish I had a say famous saying. But, you know, yeah, but we've got a couple. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thought. Here's what he said. It's kind of this, this very serious four words. He said, this time... It's different. And that's what this, that's what this question is kind of saying. Absolutely. This time, it's different. And yet he says, and of course quoting the late Sir John Templeton, no, it's not. It's just the norm. It's it, just it what is. goes on. We, we've, had, we've had these types of uh, periods in our economy before where we've had a lot of turmoil around the election. That's not anything new. Um, and I think that building an investment policy, an investment policy around a political idea is just is just bad news. But, you know, here's a lot of people think this. Here we are. It, let's just take the Democrats are now finished. The, the uh, you know, they're, they've done a good job. They did it, you know, virtual. And the Republicans have got to do the same thing. And we don't really reengineer the U.S. economy when a new pr- now there's some things that have been passed. I mean, you know, you could go all the way back and think about it. 1965, we had the Great Society, Great Society. the Medicare, and which the was Medicare. not very popular no, at that time that either. It was <laughs> horrible at that time, but yet we still have survived, and we go through that. And we, then we go back recently in 2010, the Affordable Care Act. So we don't really. There's three parts. Explain to I guess to the audience, our economy is made up of three basic fundamental components. Three basic parts. You have you have consumption or consumer spending, business investment, business spending, and government spending. Those are the three main components of GDP. And when you look at the two that would be most affected by the politics, business investment and govern, government expenditures, when you look over the last 70 years, there's not that much difference in them. Uh, most of the time when a political party gets in office, you know, they because of the checks and balances, we've put in place in this country, they really have to have control of Congress to get anything done. And you look at the past two administrations, they've really only been able to get one major piece of uh, major legislation done. And that's due to the fact that usually, you know, there'll be a change of the guard somewhere midstream in that political office. And we redo this every four years. So whatever's, you know, whoever's elected to office, you know, if, it, if it's not going well, they're probably not going to make it more than four years. Mm-hmm. And, and midstream in that, we're going to have congressional elections. So they can lose control that way. We have built checks and balances into the system to to make sure that we don't radically. Well, our forefathers our were very good at, at helping us make sure that we didn't do some things. And again, if you have the election goes, you know, this election takes place, and let's say regardless of who wins, usually if they go in and gain the House, you know, the legislative, I mean, all the party there is one party. Uh, yeah, they might get something enacted, but yes. usually in two years it's a switch. Yes. And uh, things kind of go back to normal. And uh, we've seen, I mean, the biggest one, of course, was the Affordable Care Act. We had the Tax Act, you know, that Trump yeah. pushed through that, right. you know, didn't didn't do some things that he thought it would do. Of course, I think the Tariff Act, the, all the problems we yeah. had with tariffs and stuff may have slowed that down. But reality, that's a huge piece of legislation that he was able to enact. And then, of course, he loses the House 
in two years, and that slowed everything down. Yeah. Hey, you look at the Affordable Care Act. That was that was heralded as the death of small oh, business, yeah. and and when you look at the facts, small business actually grew during the period after that. Now, was it because of there's a lot of things that impact the economy, and just one piece of legislation usually doesn't have that that major of effect. I have before. to read you something, and I'm okay. gonna, I want you to you. <laughs> this is for everybody listening. Now, you know the media, fake news, or whatever we call it. Let me read you this. It says, nothing can now be believed which is seen in a newspaper. Truth itself becomes suspicious by being put into that polluted vehicle. Wow. <laughs> That's a big statement. Who it, said that, Jim? Well, is that re- you know who said it. Is it recent? Is it, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? No, it's Thomas Jefferson. Well, I think the fact he said newspaper gave a little <laughs> yeah, bit of a I clue. Yeah, I got it. But yeah, uh, what would he think of social media today? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> he might call it fake news. <laughs> yeah, he might. You know, let's talk about this. If you just tuned in, it's Scott Jordan. We're talking about just really the reality. We've had a convention, a Democrat convention this week. We're going to have the Republican convention coming up. What do we do? What is this creating all kind of anxiety. I mean, I feel like a Democrat. I'm quoting now. I feel like a Democrat administration will play havoc with my assets and the taxes will go through the roof. Okay. Now that's a statement from someone that sent us something. If you want to send us a question, you can go to our Facebook page, do that, or you can go to Shoemaker Financial. Just say talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. If you got a question for us or anything like that, send it to us. That's what we're responding to today. But God, talk to me. What do you tell people what is it that people have to understand about during this particular time? We're going to put on our Facebook page uh, a PDF that's called Don't Panic. Right. That's what he's talking about. So it's there. If you want a copy of it, simply go get it. But what do we say to the listening audience today, Scott? I think it's, you know, it goes back to those fundamentals, Jim. We talk about this a lot. It's, you know, keeping that long-term perspective maintaining that focus on the goals, what we're trying to accomplish. Once we have that clear and we know the why, why are we investing, we know this is a long-term proposition. The market's going to go up and down in, in, the, in the interim for a lot of different reasons, whether it's politics or, or whatever the cause is of the day. We're going to expect volatility, but we don't make long-term investment decisions based on short-term media noise, market volatility, whatever's causing that. Staying focused on that long-term plan is the key. But you know, Scott, a lot of people get caught up in what everybody else is doing. They do. I mean, the media is pounding you. You got the neighbors at church or neighbors in the the office or whatever are pounding you. And we get this thing called the herd mentality. And that's okay if you're buying a car or refrigerator. Yeah, for a small purchase. Yeah. Get some some advice. Whatever. Yeah, you that's that's not necessarily the best idea when it comes to investing. You know, we've seen this this play out through. You saw the tech stock bubble in the late 90s, real estate leading up to the global financial crisis. Gold has its moments and maybe having one right now. But following the herd is rarely a good investment strategy. Um, the herd teams seem, tends to gain a lot of strength right before it glows over a cliff and over the edge. And, and everybody starts wanting to run in the same direction. You get that fear of missing out, FOMO, yeah. the kids call it these days, that's and true. you and you want to jump on board with everybody. But that's, that's not the way you build a long-term investment strategy. Again, seeking wise counsel, keeping that long-term perspective, and maintaining that focus on what you're trying to accomplish and what you need to do, not what everybody else is doing. 
Well, again, you're talking about being disciplined. And I guess to yeah. our listener that sent us this text and, and this idea, this, this email said, you know, I would say to him, you know, be disciplined. And be disciplined. you've got a plan. So stay disciplined. What about the emotions that go along with this? I mean, it doesn't take very long to spend in a 10-minute conversation, five-minute conversation with someone. <laughs> you can pretty much tell which news media they listen to. You can. I mean, they start quoting people that it sounds like, well, that's – that's so-and-so. That's so-and-so. I mean, it's not their words anymore. It's what they're saying. So it's what they're hearing. And you got to remember, their their goal is not your well-being and investment success. Their goal is to get eyeballs and viewership. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what they're doing. But letting those emotions take control of your investment strategy. I say this all the time. Emotions are the enemy of any good long-term investment strategy. Uh, letting those feelings take over and letting that anxiety take over and trying to make investment decisions under that emotional duress is going to lead to some bad decisions. And most people are, are one bad decision away from ruin. Wow, one bad decision away from ruin. If volatility is volatility, that's the emotion side. When the market dropped as it did in March, uh, if we have a drop here prior to the election or immediately after the election. So you're saying that volatility, you just have to not get caught up in it. Absolutely. First of all, that's very normal. If you look back and study the market, volatility is a normal part of the market. But I would also say, looking back, you can see every big market drop historically has been followed by eventually a recovery and the market has gone on to set a new high. Now, we always say past performance is no guarantee, but looking at that as your guide and, and trying to get some, some facts surrounding these feelings, it would say, yes, we're going to go through those downturns, but those downturns are going to be followed by upturns eventually and lead to higher markets over the long term. Well, I think what you're saying is that um, usually pre-election, the market's volatile, yeah. post-election, in most cases, it's it's up. It, it usually is. It, you know, now, again, we don't know the future. Don't know what's going to happen this time. But I think we'll see some volatility leading up to this election. We normally do. That's a very normal part. That's that, uns that's that uncertainty. But great businesses of our country, they get back to doing business under both regimes. They figure out what the new laws are going to be, what the new culture is going to be, and they get focused on doing what they do best, and that's making the great products and services that we all enjoy, and they will get back to doing business. They always have. Well, you know, Scott, you do a great job. The reality is it goes back to Sir John Templeton's statement that I, that I so much appreciate. I yeah. mean, the reality is it's his famous saying, investment's four most dangerous words. And I mean, I, I really like <laughs> them. I mean, you know, this time it's different, and you say it's not. Absolutely. It's it's been it's been the wrong move to bet against American businesses over history. Well, I thank you, sir. And I know we don't have time, but you'd always tell people to be diversified. Diversification don't always guarantee Absolutely. you a cushion against volatility, but just be diversified. Yep. Diversified. And, uh, and proper allocation. And I thank you for just keeping that that head around you that keep our clients and our listeners thinking that away. And again, to the person who sent us the text. You know, moving to Alaska, not a bad idea. All the other stuff, not real. So till the till the cold that. weather comes along, yeah, I'm, then the, I'm out. Till yeah. the cold weather, you're exactly right. Well, you've been listening to KWAM, the Mighty 990. 
My guests, of course, have been Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. You want to listen to him on the podcast. Boy, they does a great job. Effie Johnson and Anna Wilcox with Neighborhood Christian Center. And, of course, uh, one of my favorites, Scott Jordan with Shoemaker Financial. He's answered the questions about, really, the conventions, the volatility, and the presidents. What does it really do? You know, Scott, I want to have you back on. We're going to do a program just around the election. I'd love talk to. about that. I think that'd to. be great. So if you have questions for Effie and Anna, you can reach them at 901-881-6013. And questions for Kurt or Scott, you can reach him at 757-5757. And, of course, email Kurt at kurtzarnowski at gmail.com. It's kurt.zarnowski at gmail.com. And to find a copy of that PDF that I mentioned earlier, don't panic. Go to our Shoemaker Financial page, search for the document on our post, and there you'll be able to view the document. If you'd like to print it out, just you know, download the PDF. Next week, Shannon Dyson, health care and the Medicare update with COVID. And then we're going to talk about buying a house. Boy, the market's doing great. You'll want to listen to that. That's Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990, FM 107.9 and AM 990. We're here every week helping you. Make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.